0: was, he told me the decision he was making, and I truly believe that he is ready. So, Caitlin, do you promise to live with Jesus in your heart forever? Do you believe that Jesus sent his son to die for our Okay, because of your profession of faith, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. you can come around and shake his hand and congratulate him because this is a great decision.
1: Hearts praying for a fresh end.
2: Before service today, I gotta say this. I gotta jump in, but we had a little conversation, a couple of guys with me, and the Holy Spirit came into that conversation, like, like you can't even believe. And what an awesome
1: thing! Before church, when you're talking and you getting you come to church to gather to worship, and you're taught like before service is Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is in every conversation. It's just how you guide that in your lives. And we're
2: just, we're just like, yeah. Holy Spirit, come on, come on. And we're, we're just asking that in this service right now, God. Your Holy Spirit, come on. Come on, Lord. Your Holy Spirit,
1: come. Let's worship him. Let's worship him.
2: morning just throw your hands up for just a minute let's just surrender right now in this room father we surrender everything to you right now everything in our lives right now god all of it surrender to you the stuff that we're struggling with right now the thoughts in our minds that don't line up with your word right now father we just surrender to you We lay those things down, God, and we say we need you in the middle of our lives, Father. We need you in the middle of everything that we do. And we just give it to you this morning, Father. Lord, I pray throughout the remainder of this service as we're surrendering, if there's somebody in here, Lord, that needs to to have their heart healed, their mind transformed, their life changed, Father, that, that they would come It would come this morning to know you in your fullness. God, we just praise you and we surrender to you right now. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for the opportunity to worship you. We worship you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. You guys may be seated. What a wonderful time and worship, and being it, it that it is Mother's Day today. Um, McKenna and her OC kids have a little video they would like to show you guys this morning. My my mom is that
0: she cooks for me. because she helps helps animals. My favorite thing about my mom is her cooking. My favorite thing about my mom is how nice she is. My favorite thing about my mom is she cleans my room. My favorite thing about my mom is because she's kind and nice. My favorite thing about my mom is that she loves me. My favorite thing about my mom is she she's there for
3: me. My favorite thing about my mom is everything.
0: I love her mom hugs. My favorite thing about my mom is that she cooks food for us. My favorite my favorite thing about my mom is everything. My favorite thing about my mom is that she's nice. Love when my mom finds me kind. My favorite mom gives me food and her loves me. My favorite thing about my mom is she loves me. Mom takes care of me. My favorite thing to do with my mom is shop. My favorite thing with my mom is to do cuddles. Everything to, to, to do with my mom is to bake cookies with her. My mom's nice. I'm ready to help My mom will help me. My mom.
2: sheltered in the arms of God. How many of you are thankful for that? No matter what comes our way, we are sheltered in the arms of God. And that ties right into how mothers shelter their children and they help them and love them and raise them in the Lord. Moms just love. Dads sometimes we're a little tougher. <laughs> But I'm so thankful for mothers, and speaking of that, today you're not going to get to listen to me, and don't you dare cheer. My lovely wife, Sarah, is going to speak today, so I want to introduce her and have her come on up. You guys make her feel welcome. Love you. Well, just to uh, let you
3: know, he's more nervous than I am. <laughs> I don't know if he thinks if I'm going to blow it that you're all going to be like, you guys are done. (laughs) But um, I do want to welcome you all and wish you a happy Mother's Day. And I'm well aware that Mother's Day can be hard on some people. Um, If your mother is no longer with you, I get it. I'm there. I lost my mom when I was 26 years old. And she was pure definition of a Proverbs 31 woman. Like, honestly, you will never ever convince me that my mom wasn't the greatest mom. And the legacy she left behind is something, you know, I strive to be like. When people tell me, sometimes they'll say, you know, you remind me of your mom. It's like the best compliment they could ever, ever give me because she was just that great. But I know that hurt, And I still remember my first Mother's Day without my mom. Like it hit me when my dad gave me a card and it said, love you, dad. It like hit me. That should have dad and mom. (laughs) And so I get that. But I have a peace because I know where my mom is at. And I know I will see her again. And no matter how much I would love to be with her again, I would never selfishly ask her back to this earth from where she's at. It would be, that would be wrong of me to ever wish that. And if you're on the side of mothers that maybe your heart's desire is to become a mom, I've been there. I know that pain. Rick and I, you know, decided, hey, we want to expand our family. I struggled to get pregnant. I finally got pregnant, and in 2004, Right before Mother's Day, I, you know, I found out I was pregnant. And it was going to be an exciting time. And I had a miscarriage right before Mother's Day in 2004. And I, I know, I know that heartache. But today I want to just tell you, hang on. Just keep praying. Don't give up because God hears you. And, you know, his word tells us he will give us the desires of our hearts. And I now have... An almost 17-year-old and a 13-year-old serving back in OC Kids today to prove that. He will hear you. So I I know that, you know, this day can be tough for a lot of reasons, but I've been on both sides of that. And I want to say today that Mother's Day is not just about celebrating the women who have given birth to a child. Um, That's what everyone thinks of when they hear Mother's Day, but it's actually a celebration of the legacy that each and every woman is developing in their everyday life. And ladies, whether you have birthed a child or not, you are a mother influence to someone somewhere every single day of your life. There is someone looking up to you, and there is someone that will see you as a mother figure. You know, we have a lot of kids these days that are in split homes or different things, or maybe their mom isn't present in their life, and they need you to step up and be that mother for them. So my my title today is The World Needs You and You Need God. So what I'm going to talk about is two different women in the Bible, and these women left behind a legacy that is an example that we as children of God can look up to them as a mother and child relationship and in that admiration way that we do look up to our moms. These women are not famous in the Bible for how they were mothers in the sense of their children and giving birth to a child and how they raised them. And in fact, in the Bible, it doesn't really even talk about their children. It does One of them, we don't even know if she had kids. So you may be wondering, well, that's kind of weird, Sarah. How can we look up to someone with admiration on Mother's Day when we don't even know if they had a kid? Hang with me. We're going to figure that out, okay? Webster's Dictionary defines the word mother as a woman in authority or a maternal tenderness or affection. You know, you, like I watch some of the... Teens and um, little bit older kids, how they hover over the babies. My daughter, I have to fight her to even hold a baby if they're in the same room as me. And it's she's mothering them. She's got that maternal tenderness and affection. And she loves them. And so Webster's recognized that, you know, in the dictionary. And then it's also a woman in authority. Because as women of God, we have authority. The minute our feet hit the floor... We have authority. We have authority against anything the world's going to try to throw against us. Our two biblical women we're going to talk about today fit this definition of mother. The first one is Esther. Esther is known primarily for, you know, she has a book of the Bible named after her. And as Queen Esther, everyone knows that, you know, Queen Esther. And, you know, the popular verse from Esther is perhaps you were created for such a time as this. But there's so much more to Esther's story than just that she was a queen. But we have to kind of go back to the beginning to learn a little bit about her. And the Bible doesn't give us a whole lot of history about Esther, but it does tell us that she was an orphan at a very young age. I've read some people believe, you know, her mother died in childbirth and her father had already passed. No one really knows, but she was orphaned at a very, very young age, which tells me she grew up without a mom. But, look what she did. Her cousin Mordecai took her on, raised her as his own. He loved her as a father would love a daughter. And the Bible doesn't tell us if Mordecai was married. It doesn't tell us if, you know, he had a wife that took her in as a mother. But somewhere along the way, Esther knew what being a mother was all about. And at the time of Esther... The king was Xerxes. I'm probably not pronouncing that right. I am not educated in biblical pronunciation, so that's what I'm going to say. And if you read the story of Esther, I'm going to just kind of summarize a little bit of it. Frankly, Xerxes is like a male chauvinist pig. He's, I mean, he basically tells his wife, who was Queen Vashanti at the time, you're not going to be my queen anymore because you wouldn't parade in front of all my friends and let me brag about what a beautiful queen I had. Well, I don't blame her. That is not what we are. We are not an object to be presented in front of everyone. So she tells him, no, I'm not doing that. Well, he kicks her out of being a queen because of that. So that tells you a little bit about him. <laughs> and so he no longer had a queen. Well, every king needs a queen. So they bring in all the virgins of the area and take them in. They treat them with beauty treatments. They teach them how to be presented before a king. And Esther is one of those that gets brought in. And the person in charge of all these women that have came in found favor with Esther. That right there tells me, number one, she was probably very, very good looking. Number two, she had to have a kind spirit about her. Because she found favor and they took extra care to make sure she was ready to go before the king. So, eventually, Esther does catch the eye of King Xerxes when she is presented before him, and he's like, oh, yeah, she's hot. I want her. So she becomes his queen. So now here's an orphan child that was raised without a mother, but still showed kindness in a bad situation. I mean, honestly, she probably wasn't thrilled about getting thrown into this and arranged marriage with a male chauvinist But she held her head high and he found favor with her and took her as his queen. And the whole time this is going on, Mordecai didn't want to let Esther out of his sight. So he hung out at the palace gates. He became like kind of under the king a little bit, just with a small role. But he wanted to make sure Esther was always taken care of and was safe. He would not leave her for very long. And one day, the king decided to promote one of his men, Haman, to the highest official rank he could get. Well, with this rank came authority over people, and so when Haman would ride through the town, everyone bowed down to him. Mordecai refused. He's like, I'm not bowing to you. And even though the scripture doesn't come right out and say, Mordecai refused to bow to someone other than God, actually the word God is not even mentioned in the whole book of Esther, but he's implied in the whole story. But Mordecai refused to bow to Haman. Well, that tells me Mordecai had a strong belief in God, and he knew who God was, and he was not going to let some man be put above God. Well, of course, this made Haman very angry. He goes to King Xerxes, and he's like, Listen, he finds out Mordecai's a Jew. We need to kill all the Jews. We need to get rid of them. They're not good. They're going against you. They won't do what you say. So the king's like, okay, let's kill them," Having no idea that Esther is also a Jew. He doesn't know that. So Mordecai arranges to have a conversation with Esther. And that takes us to Esther chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. I think it's going to be on the board for you. It says... If you, this is Mordecai talking to Esther. If you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place. But you and your relatives will die. Who knows if perhaps you were made for queen for just a time as this. Then Esther sent this reply back to Mordecai. She says, go and gather all the Jews of Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will do the same. And then, though it is against the law, I will go in and see the king. If I must die, I must die. So basically, Mordecai tells Esther, you know what? This may have been all part of God's plan, and this may be why you are queen right now. You're going to save the Jewish people. And Esther her first thing she responds is, go and gather the Jews and fast. So what does she do first? She takes it before God. She knows in herself, I cannot do this. I need God's guidance. I need his presence. And so she asks all of them to fast with her and her maids. But here's, So here's where the legacy of Esther truly shines through. Not just that she saved the Jewish people, but her way of doing it. We know she was very good-looking. She had maids under her because she said, my maids will do the same. She was queen, which means she had wealth. She had everything she could need, materialistic. But her first response wasn't anything about that. Her first response was, we need to fast. We need to go to God about this. She knew this Jewish nation was depending upon her. She knew they needed her to step up. The world needs you. The world needed Esther at that time. She knew that, but she also knew for her to step up for them, she needed God. She needed people fasting and seeking God for his protection over her as she risked her own life to save herself and her people. And, you know, many times we think, if we only had more money, Ladies, I know every one of you have probably looked in the mirror several different times, maybe even this morning, and thought, gosh, if I was just like 20 pounds lighter and just a little skinnier, or my hair, if I was only a little prettier, we think if we only had people to come in and be our maids and cook for us and clean for us, granted, that would be wonderful, but we think that would solve all of our problems, that, you know, we would be living high. Well, Esther had all of that, but she still knew where she needed to get her help from. She still needed God. And the book of Esther ends with she goes before the king without an invitation, and he offers her anything she wants. She says, I want the Jewish nation to be saved. He ends up you know, agreeing to it, and actually Haman gets killed on the pole. They impale him or whatever that's called that he had planned for Mordecai. So Esther saves the Jewish nation, not because of her looks, not because of her wealth, not because of her title, but because she went to God. And that's the legacy that we need to gather from the book of Esther. She knew the world needed her and she needed God. The next woman we're going to talk about is mentioned in the book of Judges in chapters four and five, and it's Deborah. Deborah was a judge at a time when kings weren't in the Israel nation as much. They asked God for judges. And so imagine a woman in that time being respected enough to be a judge. The Israelites would come to her to judge their decisions, to judge what was fair. And she was also a prophetess, which means she knew how to connect with God. And everyone around her in Israel knew she had a direct connection with God. So what she said, they believed. They knew it was coming from God. And at the time that she was judge, the Israelites were under bondage by King Jabin, and they had been for about 20 years. We all know if you've read the story of the Israelites, they were a stubborn group of people. God took them through so much and they would thank him and they would thank him and they would praise him. And then when things got good, they eh, went back to the bad ways. Then he'd pull them out again and they'd thank him and they'd thank him. Well, this was one of the bad times. And he had given them into King Jabin. They'd been under bondage for 20 years. They were discouraged. The Israelites were tired. They saw no hope and how they would ever become free again. But Deborah had that connection with God. And everyone knew that he spoke to her and through her. And her legacy of being faithful in God preceded her. So she was well trusted. And one day she calls for a warrior, Barak. She tells him, come see me. So he comes up to her and she says, listen, I've heard from God. You need to get 10,000 men and you're going to go to war against King Jabin and his army that is led by Sisera." And Barak's like, knowing Deborah probably did hear from God, but knowing this is a battle he is not going to be able to win. Because Sisera and his army had 900 iron chariots. Like they were massive. So Barak knew, I'm not going to be able to win this on my own. But he also knew, if I don't do this, I'm going against God. And because I know this word came straight from God or Deborah would not have spoken. it. So he tells Deborah, I'll go on one condition. You have to go to battle with me. So he's telling this prophetess, this judge, this well-respected woman, you need to go out and fight this war with me or I'm not going. Now, Deborah could have told him Oh, get away from me, you coward. You know, she could have been like, good grief. You know this came from God, but you still don't trust it. I am not going out on a battlefield risking my own life so that you can win something that you're going to win anyway. She doesn't do that, though. She knew Barack needed her. He needed her moral support. He needed her spiritual support. And Barack knew Deborah was so close with God that if she was by his side... God would be there in that battle. She, he knew that. So Deborah agrees. She knew she had to do this for the Israelite people. So she agreed to go. And Judges four nine tells us, Deborah says, Very well, she replied. I will go with you. But know that you will receive no honor in this venture. For the Lord's victory over Sisera will be at the hands of a woman. So she's telling Barak... I'm going to go, but you're not going to get the honor for this. And he's like, I don't care. I want to live. Come with me. So he wants her to go. And in this verse, just a side note, she's not technically talking about the hands of a woman being her hands. That comes at the end of the story, and we'll go over that in a minute. But she decides to go. So they go. She goes with Barak to Kadesh. God caused confusion upon Sisera's army. And if you read in chapter 5, it reflects back on the battle. You can gather that God more than likely sent rainfall to come down. And Sisera's army, 900 iron chariots, imagine how heavy those are, got stuck in the mud. They couldn't go anywhere. Barak's army's up on a hill. He sees all these chariots in the mud. Bam, we've got them. Goes down, kills them all. And they won the battle. Sisera did escape from the chariots, but he was killed by a woman. That's a whole nother story. She drove a tent peg through his head. But, (laughs) but, go women. (laughs) Sisera was defeated at the hands of a woman. And it was Barak and Deborah chasing his army that caused him to go there. And the Israelites were free. And actually, they had 40 years without bondage because Deborah listened to God and Barak listened to Deborah. And they went together. And they were so thankful, so thankful for the victory in this battle. The entire chapter 5 in the book of Judges is dedicated as a prayer and thanks to God from Barak and Deborah. An entire chapter of nothing but God, look what you've done. Look what you did. And one verse in chapter 5 that I do want to point out is chapter 5, verse 7. It says, there were few people left in the villages of Israel until Deborah arose as a mother for Israel. The NIV version words it as, villagers in Israel would not fight. They held back until I Deborah arose until I arose as a mother in Israel. So no one in Israel would even try to fight King Jabin and his army. They saw no hope. But Deborah rose up just like us we do as women and as mothers. We rise up if we need we see our children struggling, we are going to fight tooth and nail to help them in any way we can. And Deborah did that for all of the Israelites and she led them by her example. You know, something interesting in all of this is Deborah could have given herself many titles in chapter 5. She could have said, I Deborah the prophetess that hears straight from God, that knows God talks to me. I Deborah the judge that everyone in Israel trusts and they believe and they will take my judgment for what it is. She could have said, I'm a warrior now. I went to battle and I fought with Barak and, you know, I'm sure there weren't many women warriors at that time. She could have did any of those. But in this chapter of praise, she says, I was a mother to Israel. I was a mother to them. Because she loved Israel just as a mother loves children. She loved them with that motherly love. She knew they'd lost all hope. She knew. And she rose up and she agreed to fight to show them, I love you so much. I'm willing to fight for you. And she fought them just as a mother would for her children. If our praise team would go ahead and come on up. This is a little shorter than what you're used to, so you can thank me later. (laughs) (laughs) So the legacy of both of these women, they give us an example of how we should want to be in our everyday lives. Esther and Deborah were not a major part of the Bible because they had actual motherhood in the sense of, you know, they gave birth to this child and this child became blah, blah, blah. They weren't that. But they were mothers as the Webster Dictionary defined them. They were women of authority and they loved with a maternal affection. And every lady here today, that is you. You are a lady of authority. You can love with a with an affection of a mom whether someone is your mother or not. You can show them what the love of God is by how you live. Esther loved the Jewish people and she was willing to die for their safety. She sought God because she knew the Jews needed her. Deborah loved the Israelites, went to battle for them so they could be free. And she listened to the voice of God and did not let the fact that she was a woman keep her from moving forward for her people. So both of these women faced very difficult, very different circumstances. But they both gave us the example of being a mother at all times. We can show affection. We can have authority over tough times. We can rise up and show those around us. How to move forward towards freedom. And, men, I know this was kind of geared towards the women today, but this applies to you also. You are a father figure to someone, whether you know it or not. And you can take all of this into the same thing the world needs you, but you need God, or you can't be there for the world that's dying and that is lost. And it's also worthy to note, men, in both stories. The men went to the women because they needed them. You guys need us, whether you want to admit it or not. I know that may not always be the mancho thing to say, I I need you, I need your help. But the men in these stories, they knew, they weren't ashamed. Mordecai went to Esther and said, I need you. If you don't come through, we're all going to die. And barack went deborah i won't go fight this unless you're by my side i need you so women you are needed you are needed by all of those around you and more importantly you're needed by god to do his work and to do what he has called you to do so we're going to open the altars up today rick will be here to pray with you and the deacons will and you know if you're struggling today maybe Maybe you're just struggling with knowing, where do I fit in? What is my purpose? You know, I, I'm, I don't feel like a mother figure or a father figure to anyone. Do what these women did and seek God first. He can give you the guidance. He can give you the peace. And he can give you the strength you need to rise up to that. And of course, the altars are open for healing, salvation. Maybe you don't even have a clue what I've been talking about. And you've never you know, ask Jesus into your heart, best decision you will ever make. And you have a church full of motherly figures here that is going to raise you up and help you and hold your hand at all times. So the altars are open. Please feel free to come on down.
0: Uh. speak the
2: share something. When I, when I pace up here, I don't want you guys to think I'm just wearing some spots on the carpet, but I'm always praying, you know, if there's something that the Holy Spirit wants to say to people, if there's something that God wants to share. And this morning, Sarah was speaking on that and talking about that. And she talked a little bit in one spot about looking at yourself in the mirror and sometimes just feeling like, am I doing this right? Do I look right? All this stuff. And I just want you to know, ladies, That if you are doing what God asks you to do in training up your children and and being that uh, motherly figure to people around you, you are doing what God's called you to do, you're doing it right. No matter what the enemy might try to, to put inside your head and say to you, you train them up in the Lord, you love them as Christ loves them, and you share that with them, you're doing it right. And I want you guys to know that today. Don't beat yourself up, don't listen to those lies of the enemy, you keep doing what God's called you to do in your kids, whether they're serving the Lord right now or they're not, you're doing it right. So I want you to know that. Um, I guess I really didn't have anything to worry about with Sarah speaking today. (laughs) (laughs) My OCD and everything kicks in on a Sunday morning and my mind is always, she did a tremendous job, a great job. I knew she would. So, I also want to give out our scholarships as we finish up this morning. And I apologize to the, to the families that, you know, I, I, it slipped my mind this week. So I reached out to them this morning. They are both here this morning as far as I know. So we were going to award these um, from the applicants that we got in. These two ladies were selected. So for the Jamie Lowe Memorial Scholarship, if you'll come up here, Miss Kaylee Evans. Come on up. There you go, look at Sarah, she's going to snap a picture. There you go, stay right here, stay right here. And for our Greg Burgess Memorial Scholarship, it's Miss Carly Heipel. There you go, congratulations. Um, and those are each of the $1,000 scholarships that they were awarded. And we thank uh, those families for that scholarship, the church for that scholarship. And you guys, congratulations to both of you on that. I know you're going into uh, design, creation, creative, creativity design, interior design, things like that. And you're going into music. So that's awesome for both of you. We're proud of you. And we thank everybody for being here today. All right? <laughs> Ladies. One more thing, ladies, I believe Modified Youth will be at the doors to give you a flower on your way out. So hopefully they're all stationed or where they need to be and the flowers are there. Are they? They're there. Jason's giving me a thumbs up. So each door, ladies, doesn't matter if you're a mom, you're not a mom, take a flower. We've got one for you. We appreciate you. God bless. Have a great week. Carly, can I get a picture with both of you guys right here?